Hi, friends. Before we get started today, I want to talk about book bans. Book bans are nothing new. They've been part of America's narrative for about as long as our country has existed. But just in the first half of this year, nearly 2,000 unique titles were challenged, which was the highest in over 20 years. That's why the folks over at Brooklyn Public Library launched a new podcast series called Borrowed and Banned. They want to help you understand how and why books are being removed from the library shelves across the country and what you can do about it. Over seven episodes, they'll talk to the students, teachers, and librarians on the front lines and the writers whose books have become political battleground. You can subscribe to Borrowed and Banned wherever you find your podcast. And I personally have to say that Brooklyn Public Library's Borrowed podcast is one of my absolute favorites. And this series, Borrowed and Bands, is extremely important. And I think anyone who is listening to this podcast or reading any books ever needs to listen to Borrowed and Band. Uh, check it out wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to Day Beautiful. I'm Adam Vitkavich, and this is a podcast where readers can discover debut authors. If you like what you hear here, check out daybeautiful.net for more author interviews and book recommendations. You can also follow us on social media at daybeautiful on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Today's guest is the youngest child of North Korean exiles and has had a long career in fashion design and then earned her MFA in creative writing at the New School in New York. Her work has appeared in The Rumpus, Joyland, The Believer Logger, and elsewhere. She has also contributed to the New York Times bestselling anthology, Woman in Clothes, which came out in 2014. She currently lives in New Orleans, and her debut novel, Upcountry, is out now. Please welcome Chin Sun Lee. Hey, how are you doing today? I'm good, Adam. Thank you so much for inviting me. You know, I'm a big fan of the podcast, so... And you've been super supportive. Day Beautiful has been so supportive, like, throughout this whole journey, so... yeah. But yeah, no, of course, I have like seen you on the internet for like a year now. We've connected, you know, on certain things, you know, um, which we will talk about the uh, debut publishing cohort. Yeah, get the word unnamed, out. Yeah, get the word out. Uh, unnamed Press, who I love, asked me to do a cover reveal, which I don't do a lot of because nobody asks me. So if publicists, you're listening, ask me. I really like to do them. But your cover is so beautiful. Yeah, I can't take credit. That's that's Jaya Nicely and um, the artist Aaron Weisenfeld. But uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So the cover is beautiful. I love that you give credit to like the artists and the team behind it. And then Upcountry is a, an amazing book. I really loved it. Uh, tell yeah, of course. Tell readers what it's about from your perspective. How do you tell people what Upcountry is all about? So Upcountry is a gothic thriller um, about three women from vastly different socioeconomic backgrounds whose lives um, intersect through a series of co coincidences and catastrophes in a small Catskills town. Um, it takes place shortly after the 2008 recession. So a lot of its themes center on um, class division, economic disparity, um, but also the kind of mysteries of how luck and fate play into these women's lives. Um, and most of all, for me, it's a novel about the resilience of these women and how they face their respective challenges um, and somehow are connected to each other despite their differences. Um, 
so two of the women are a little bit older. They're in their mid forties. Uh, there's April who is a poor single mother. Um, and, uh, She's an established resident of this fictionalized town that I call Caliban. And mm -hmm. she is forced to sell her like longtime family home in foreclosure to Claire, who's kind of a more um, privileged, you know, Manhattan transplant who recently moved to the town with her husband, Sebastian. Um, and then there's Anna, who is a young Korean um, adoptee who is also a member of a local, um, like a cult-like religious group in the town. And she attracts the attention of Claire's husband. So the, I guess, resulting scandal of that kind of, um, you know, sets in motion. It's like the inciting incident from which all the rest of the book's events pretty much unfold and spiral. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love like just the weaving of it. It reminded me, and maybe this is only because it took place in the Catskills. It I, it doesn't remind me of it, but Marvelous Miss Maisel, the TV show, the sec it's it's oh. not the same at all. No, it's not. The same. <laughs> but it takes place in the Catskills, so the entire time I'm just envisioning like those actors, and I know like they aren't described to look like these people, but I was like, yeah, yeah you know what I mean, like just in my yeah, weird no, no, head. no, you yeah. know, associations happen all the time. Yeah, and like. Yeah. Yeah, because usually it's like I can, you know, the characters are like in my brain and I see them how like the authors describe them. But this one, it was like, I, I don't know. It was just funny to me that that was in my brain. And it's like, obviously, these like Tony Shalhoub is not the man, the male, <laughs> but he was in my brain. Um, That's yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, um, the book is going to be out when this podcast comes out. Yeah. And it's it's been a long journey. And I want to start with you were named the poets and part of the poets and writers five over 50, which is your debut author over 50 years yeah. old. Yeah, I'm an oldie. <laughs> no, no, you're, you're seasoned. I'm, you, you, I'm seasoned. I'm very yeah. well seasoned. Yeah, definitely late bloomer. And in that five over 50, we're probably going to touch base on a lot of what you wrote about. So this is like the longer version of that. But when you find this is the culmination of many things. How do you feel when like publishers, poets and writers, excuse me, um, like says, yes, you are one of the five best seasoned debut authors or most exciting debut authors? I mean, it's a huge honor. And I have to say, like poets and writers just as an organization has also been really, really good to me, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. Um there's five over 50 and then the uh, get the word out was also mm -hmm. poets and writers and their director, uh, Terry Key, who has been super supportive and um, just getting to know all the other, you know, debut authors, some of whom have also been on your podcast. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's been great. So um, yeah, it was just, it, it was kind of a surprise, um, but I have been aware of it for a couple of years. I think uh, five over 50 is only, I think, been around like four years. Um, and my friend Megan Culhane uh, Galbraith actually was part of that, I think, two years ago. Um, and then um, Sari Botten is also, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm really familiar with. Um, she was last year. So it was on my radar. And I just kind of threw my hat in the ring and I was like, whatever, you know, we'll see. And then, yeah, I, yeah, they, they reached out. I was, I was super happy. Yeah, no, it's amazing. Congratulations. You, 
had a whole nother career you weren't writing this entire time like or were you were you writing behind the scenes this entire time no so you know I always loved writing um from the time that I was a child um and I I read voraciously um but when it came time to sort of you know high school you have to start applying to colleges and stuff like that um I remember I had a really charismatic super handsome you know English teacher that we all sort of admired and he pulled me aside and he was like you know what are you going to do I think you should be a writer um and I was super flattered but I decided not to because um it was really important for me to establish financial independence you know um Mm -hmm. I was raised from a really traditional Korean family like super super traditional and you know, patriarchal, frankly. Um, And, um, you know, I'm the youngest child of four. And um, my older sister, one of them was a violinist. And um, she, you know, allowed my parents to really subsidize her, um, you know, existence for into like, probably her 30s. But they also um, had a lot of authority over what, you know, she was like allowed to do. Like they would say, you know, no, we don't want you to date that guy or, you know, something like that. And so I witnessed this and I just was like, I just knew I didn't want anyone to impose, you know, like authority over my life. Mm -hmm. So um, and my parents were, you know, they loved us, you know, it wasn't like it's just this is what they grew up knowing. So this this in their minds, like women were supposed to basically, you know, our purpose was to kind of just marry and have babies, <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. that's not the life that I wanted. So I knew, you know, if I wanted to, to have a, a broader life, I needed to be financially independent. So I, you know, and we all know, like writing doesn't really pay well for most of us. So, um, and I think at that time, it was like, the late 80s, uh, early 90s. Um, and fashion was like booming, you yeah. know, as an industry. And, you know, I'm a girl, I like clothes. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I was able to draw. So I thought, okay, you know, I'll just I'll go into that. Um, and I was a clothing designer for like 20 years. And, you know, it's weird, because I went into it. Um, I mean, I, I enjoyed it, but I, I really went into it to to have financial independence and make money. And I did yeah. now. Um, and I traveled a lot um, and was exposed to a lot of different cultures. So all of that was really, you know, in the end, kind of um, a lot of, you know, fuel for what would become, you know, my later career as a writer. But um, I didn't start um, writing. I mean, it was always kind of like something I wanted to do, you yeah. know what I mean? And, um, but I, it was also, I think I had such reverence for, you know, writing that I didn't think that I could do it. Um, and then around like late thirties, early forties, um, I had a really dear friend who, um, was diagnosed with cancer and, you know, she eventually passed from it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know this sounds super maybe corny, but that was like a real wake up call for me. Just like, you know, life is super short and I want to, you know, try this thing. So um, I started taking writing classes at the new school and then I got my MFA. Um, but I I got my MFA in 2009. 
And then I still juggled, you know, like yeah. the career, the fashion with writing because I lived in New York and, you know, it's an expensive city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, I was like doing both for a while. And then finally, I just, um, I realized like, I'm never really going to make, you know, much progress with the writing if I continue to, to do this. So um, I, yeah. you know, decided to apply to a residency which I knew if I got, I would not in theory be able to do, you know, because my job required travel. And then exactly. uh, yeah, yeah. I got in and I was like, all right, let, let's leave. And I, yeah, I left New York and I left that industry. Yeah. During that time when you were um, like juggling both, because it was about five years of you got your MFA yeah. and yeah. then uh, your residency in 2014, were you, did did you publish or was it just like, strictly I, you were trying to hustle and write no I mean I got a few things published in that mm -hmm. time um maybe like three you know stories um mm -hmm. but it just yeah it was it was it was just not enough time you know to really mm -hmm. develop and I I think I mean I'm a lot more confident as a writer now you know but back then um I just needed a lot of assurance you know and um I just think I need to dive fully into something, you know, yeah. and especially something like writing, which, um, you know, is it's uh, it's very hard work. <laughs> it's it's extremely yeah. hard and you learn more, you know, when you when you do it and you really focus on it. And quite frankly, like I really started to hate my fashion job, actually. Mm -hmm. sure. That was a huge incentive, you know. Yeah. So thank you, asshole, you know, French uh, director of my last company for yeah. pushing, you know, yeah. towards decision. And the, so when you start writing full-time, you go to your first residency. Yeah. What is, what is that? I, this is, you know, what does it feel like? That, like, is it liberating? Is it stressful? What, like you're yeah. finally doing? Yeah, go ahead. It was amazing. That's the thing. I mean, I can't tell you. It was, it was, so blissful. Um, my my first residency was at Playa, which is in Summer Lake, Oregon, and it's gorgeous mm -hmm. there. You know, um, yeah. I'd always lived in urban cities, so I never really saw like the vastness of you know nature. Mm -hmm. uh, it just it blew my mind. Um, I took these long walks, and like I feel like the first few days, in a way, I was just completely shedding the stress, you know, and the toxicity of my my previous job. Um, but I knew like literally within, you know, because when I left New York, I remember I, I told myself, I'm just going to take a year off and then we'll see, you know, mm -hmm. and I might come back to New York and, you know, who knows. But like within the first week, I, I absolutely knew like mm -mm, this. Never, I'm never going never back. Going back. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. And then <clears throat> I know you. I'm not going to go definitely through the Poets and Writers 5 over 50 essay you wrote because I think I will link that because people could like read about certain times in your life because it was just beautiful. You eventually end up in the Catskills in writing residencies and that's where Upcountry is kind of born in full, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was so, the initial? Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I had been kind of uh, just wandering, you know, for a while because um, I didn't really have a... a permanent place to stay. I was like bopping around, you know, between like an artist residency and my, my family's homes and friends. Um, and 
So that first summer, a good friend of mine, um, his parents owned this extra like guest house, you know, mm -hmm. uh, in the Catskills. It was um, in Greene County near Durham. And they just let me stay there rent free, which is really like incredible. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, they were very involved in the community. So um, they introduced me around to everyone and I got really quickly assimilated into, you know, this this small um, community. And um, I just I, it was amazing. You know, all I did every day was write. Um, but part of my like daily ritual was I'd write, you know, intensively. And then in the afternoon, I would take a little walk around, you know, like yeah. the streets and the highway. And on one of these walks, I saw this house that um, was charming, but kind of run down. And there was this dilapidated drained pool with a chain link fence uh, enclosed around it. Um, and, um, you know, eventually that it totally inspired uh, the house that's in the novel, you know, April's house. Yeah. But there was something about it um, visually. It really struck me. It was clear that it hadn't been used in several years, if, if not decades. And something about it, like, definitely was a symbol of financial hardship or a downturn of some sort. And, you know, this was only a few years after the the recession and its repercussions were still, to me, really visible um, in, you know, rural areas, especially. So because I myself was like transient and without a home, you know, the idea of like home and financial security were very present, you know, in my mind. Um, so that was like the, the I remember it was the seed. It was like, I don't know. I was just I took pictures of that, that pool, something about it just really hooked into my brain. Um, and um, then I just wanted to, you know, it's funny because like in the book, there's a lot of discord and conflict and tension, whereas my actual experience was fantastic. <laughs> you know, um, it seemed to me everyone in that community, even though they were very different and they had like disparate, like cultural or political, you know, affiliations, um, they managed to get along, you know. Yeah. Um, and I found that interesting because like my experience in New York City itself was that people are much more sort of tribal, you know, they, they stayed within their, their like similar, you know, demographic. And um, I think the reason why a big city allows that is that you don't have to, you know, you know, get along with people that you don't necessarily, you know, agree um, entirely, yeah. but in the country it's different. And so I thought like, well, what could disrupt this kind of harmony, you know, in an environment like this? So that was pretty much the seed of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, writing at if leaving your job your fashion job and going to residencies was freeing what one or two word phrase was like the writing period of upcountry mm, um focused yeah. really focused and um well at least in the beginning yeah sure <laughs> then, sure. then it got really 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 difficult <laughs> what what was the difficulty with upcountry as time went on um, so the, the initial drafting of it, you know, was not super difficult. Um, it's more like once I went into querying, um, and then, you know, the submission process, Yeah. um, I, I found an agent like after eight months, um, she's wonderful, you know, yeah. um, but we went out on submission 
uh, I think around like the summer of 2019. Um, and I don't know, you just, it, it, like, it's hard to read some, you know, editors comments sometimes are really opaque, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, but there were a couple yeah. of times I did a lot of revisions, you know, as, you know, the novel went out on um, submission, it's in batches, right? Usually like mm -hmm. editors at a time and then you get certain amounts of feedback. And so early on in that period, um, there was some concern about the compression of time. Like initially the novel spread out over three years and the feedback was kind of like, that's too long, you know? So then I had to like compress everything into a year and a half. Yeah. But, you know, weather plays such a big part in seasons in the novel. So you can imagine, you know, it was yeah. like, and now like this New Year's Eve party has to be like 4th of July or, you know, or reverse or, you know, stuff like that. So it just it 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 took a long time to find a publisher. And um, I think partly the pandemic, you know, um, slowed things down. But yeah. I also think maybe the book doesn't really fit neatly, you know, into any category, you know, yeah. um, it's kind of a, you know, it's a, it's a Gothic, but it's not like full on, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. they're just sort of hints of the supernatural. So yeah, I don't know, but I'm, I'm glad someone picked it up. Finally. Yeah. 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 You're uh, that essay I keep referring to, uh, I went on submission, uh, during which I encountered the unique hell of that emotional roller coaster, yeah. a cycle of hope, patience, revision, and crushing disappointment. Yeah, yeah. What kept you going? Like some people give up and they're like, I just have to go. I know you said you started another novel, but like I've heard, you know, writers say like, I just, it wasn't right. I had to put it away. Like, how did you know Upcountry was the one? I mean, I, I, I felt... I really felt that it, it deserved, you know, to be published. But that said, a lot of books do. And I and I know, you know, I have a lot of writer friends, you know, who've gone through the same thing. And um, each book is different. I have friends who've, you know, published three novels, but then their fourth and fifth ones, you know, didn't sell. Um, mm -hmm. So in my mind, like, starting the second one was so important because I just had to place my focus elsewhere. And I was actually thinking, well, you know, if the first one doesn't do anything, maybe if the second one is is good, you know, like they'll look at this first one again or I'll get a two book deal or, or something. Um, but I had also, you know, after we went through the whole rounds of all the like the big fives, um, I myself then, you know, we my agent and I decided, OK, let's start submitting to smaller presses. And I know that that process can also take years, you know, because yeah. everyone's smaller staffed. So the fact that I think um, it was on submission to smaller presses only about five or six months, you know, and then I got the first bite. And so, you know, I, I think I was really lucky. Um, yeah, because you just need the one, truly. Yeah. 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 And I think so many, or not so many, this is just conjecture, but it's, there's the stress of it's not on a big five or whoever and it's indie so it won't get the support but your book and so many others get that support once they're on that indie press or that small press yeah and, yeah I think it depends also on the indie press and um I have to say like I am so so lucky that mm -hmm. um super grateful because unnamed they're great you know yeah. they're they're a small press but I think they have a real presence you know um Frankly, you know, any 
publicity I'm getting is, you know, because of them. <laughs> I mean, I've done pitching on my own too, but you know, they're, they're just smart. Um, and they're a small team, but, um, it's pretty remarkable what they're able to do, you know, with that small team. Yeah. There's just, I mean, books that they've had out other than yours this year, Kill for Love. I love, yeah. uh, I'm so excited next year. Henry Henry is coming yeah. out in April. Yeah tweaker world like unnamed press and like a lot of publishers are like this it's you know they find they find gems and like yours is one of them and those other books are the ones i loved as well and so Thank you. yeah yeah, yeah. Is... um it's it's i i like i say i did not you know think that this would happen um mm -hmm. i think i submitted on my own to the slush pile at unnamed you know in the beginning of uh like January of 2022. Mm -hmm. um, but the first editor that actually reached out to me and wanted to publish it was um, in June. And so, you know, it's, it's like you, it always happens this way. It's the same thing, you know, when I queried for agents too, nobody notices. And then if one person actually says yes, you know, and extends an offer, then suddenly it's like, oh, you know, people pay attention. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, chatted with really like a, a few wonderful editors um, and unnamed was kind of the last one to weigh in. And I honestly, I didn't think I was, I had a chance. I was like, they're too cool, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I had a great conversation um, with the publisher and my editor, Chris Heiser. Uh, and he actually, he had the most changes, um, you know, when we were talking Um and I, but I could see, you know, if I could pull off the, the suggestions that he was throwing out to me, that it would really make it a much more deeper and complex book. So hopefully I was able to do that. Yeah, no, that's terrific. I want to shift a little bit from like that process to um, get the word out, the debut mm -hmm. writer's cohort that Day Beautiful helped. I, well, so I didn't help do anything. Yes, you just, did. You made I, an announcement. I made an announcement, <laughs> uh, which was great. I love, you know, sharing the word and helping get the word out of, get the word up. But what, tell me, because I don't think I, I haven't talked to any of the other cohorts, like one-on-one, -on -one, this in depth. I'm like, yeah. Mm -hmm. So tell me about it. What, what was it like? What the hell was going on behind the scenes? So that yeah. debut writers can discover it next year and next year and next year. Yeah, it's getting bigger. Um, my agent was actually the one who flagged it to me. Um, and then um, I remember I sat in on some kind of publicity, you know, 101 um, workshop that Sari Botten, you know, um, had where she had Lauren Sarand, you know, who's an independent, amazing publicist, um, you know, on, on her um, workshop. So it was sort of like a convergence of, um, you know, me looking into get the word out and applying but then I also saw you know Lauren in this this um kind of pot this zoom workshop and I thought oh my god like she's brilliant so I really wanted it you know and mm -hmm. um I applied and yeah I was just one of those ones where it was a lucky yeah oh my god now my cat's going crazy <laughs> yeah it's part of life two cats, our cats. They're just maybe I'll leave the cat parts in I do find it funny um, yeah I just find it amazing I I think oh you know I guess I did have Shannon Sanders on the podcast but I didn't talk to her about it so you're gonna get the the in-depth conversation yeah, no oh so it was um 
Oh God, why am I blanking on how many of us there were? But um, nine, nine or eight. Um, and yeah, we met last winter um, every week, and it was pretty much um, Terry Q, who you know is, is the director of the program, and he continues to be. Um, mm-hmm. Was our PR mentor for that particular season, and I think they've had two others since, and you know they're always different publicists, but mm-hmm. it was just it was amazing because you know, I don't know what the hell, you know, like it's, you're all excited about getting the contract, but then there's that, this whole other part of it, you know, which um, I think both of them, uh, Lauren and Terry made us feel like reassured and comfortable. And it was just sort of walking through the steps, you know, okay, this is what you should expect should happen. Um, Everything from like uh, what your publisher, you know, um, will you know do and and prompt you to do um and the 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 protocols of you know the deadlines to get to publication but then everything as well you know as as far as how you can market your book um and for me the reassuring part was just lauren was like look you don't have to do everything you know what i mean like some people I mean, I know some some authors, they don't even want to have a website, you know, they don't want to be on social media, you yeah. know what I mean? So it's like, okay, you know, do what you're comfortable with, you know? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I do find that some authors do too much mm. and it comes, and this is just my perspective, not all other big, bigger, like electric lit, lit hub. I don't know how they feel, but I'm just a one man operation. So sometimes it feels like authors are like, not harassing me, but like they do too much. It's like, I see you. There's t- literally 300 emails in my inbox right now. I'll get to it. I promise. And if I don't, you know, like that's just life or like, yeah. I probably have seen it, you know, but then some authors, yeah. Like the not, I think this is my advice and nobody's asking for it, but it's like, I think <laughs> a, a, a simple website that just has a high res author image and a bio, that's all I, that's all you need. Like nothing else. Like social media is fine, but like it does help just to be like, oh, they exist. And uh, author photo is nice. Um, yeah. that. That's what Day Beautiful needs. <laughs> Nothing else. I don't care about social media. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because I'm two weeks away from publication and mm-hmm. uh, it's sort of like there's a sort of steady stream right up until about the two to three month mark before. And then all of a sudden all this stuff, you know, builds up and you start getting things like this podcast. Yeah, inter- exactly. You know, and so the machinery of it and also planning events. Um, There are days definitely where I've I've felt like overwhelmed. Um, It's emotional, you know, but really what I remind myself um, often is just like, like chill out, you know? I mean, all of this is ultimately really good, you know? I mean, I'm getting a book published. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. (laughs) I think, yeah, like the rush of things, you know, I've talked to hundreds of our writers (laughs) at this point, right? Five years of doing this, almost five years of Day Beautiful only. I know. And yeah, it's coming up soon. And then, um, yeah, it's stressful. And I don't think, I think that gets talked about now, or maybe like we're paying attention to it now with with first-time authors, second-time authors, third times. It's like, it becomes a full-time job leading right up yeah. like not like the business side of things the machine yeah um yeah. without like talking specific numbers but like at this point you're two weeks out 
like do you have more interviews coming up in the last two weeks or did you have more interviews coming up like leading up to this yeah, i've had a couple of interviews leading up to this and there are a f- yeah definitely a few more yeah. um yeah. but you know it's okay i don't know like i the one of the the biggest crunch of you know in terms of deadline was getting like all the essays out you know what i mean yes yes yeah there's all like because at the same time i was really trying to finish a draft of my second novel you know because i knew once i'm on the road it's like forget it you know there's i'm not going to be able to even look at it you know so like once that pressure was a little bit off now it's just okay you know i'm I'm chatting with people like you (laughs) yeah it's always fun um and events yeah uh, book launch November seventh, yeah. Octavia Books. Books are magic. Uh, I was just there. Yeah. Love oh it. yeah. Oh, and it's so yeah. I'm just like looking. Yeah. So if you're in New Orleans, Brooklyn, uh, New, uh, Oregon, L.A., Oakland, we can see you. And yeah, yeah. yeah. So I exciting. mean, I'm fortunate that I have community in some big cities. <laughs> mm-hmm. now. Um. Yeah. And. and and that's important. I just talked to, I was, I won't, I just talked to a publicist while I was in New York for my day job. And we're, cause I used to do events for a bookstore. Like I, I love events, but I understand that's not a thing really anymore. And, and the person's advice, like they said, we, we tell our authors, if you wouldn't throw a birthday party in that city, we're probably not sending you like, that's like just one person's perspective, you know, like, cause it's so expensive yeah. and it's just so amazing how the, how books have, the, the world has shifted since the pandemic is all I'm getting at. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm kind of I'm grateful that I, I can go to these cities, and I don't think that you sell necessarily a lot of books. At no, these but it's about. You know? yeah. um, it's really kind of, it's maybe a victory tour <laughs> that hey, I got published. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. and you know, a name's been great in, in terms of you know helping me set up all of these events. You know, um, and I'm fortunate that like I say I have community there so at least you know I have places to stay you know yeah. oh that's also good and, yeah. yeah it's just a matter of airfare and you know again not everyone can even do that you know exactly. so yeah um, at least the pandemic kind of opened up the option to have virtual tours as well mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah it's, exactly. it's like it's not mandatory like seriously you know if you can't afford to to do a physical tour you don't have to kill yourself you know like no. don't go it, you know no. <laughs> yeah yeah I, I we were all over the place today I, I love chatting with you like it, it feels like I've known you for about a year now even though we're just like on yeah. Twitter or <laughs> X or whatever back and forth um so you I'll, I'll wrap up with a few questions um two weeks out this podcast so when we listen to it again this will you'll the next two weeks will have flown by what is your like advice you got or advice you think you can give about like the last month before publication, like what's, what should people be doing or what have you learned that you should do for yourself? Not like the business side of things. Just really take care of your mental health. (laughs) Um, Yeah. You know, um, try not to spin out, you know, and I think it's really important to have a life you know, cause I, I sometimes can get really like down the rabbit hole of like, Oh my God, I have to do this. And they're truly, and, and some things, you know, don't happen. You know what I mean? Like there are some 
um, you know, essays, essays or, you know, excerpts of mine that didn't get placed, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. sort of have to not fret, you know, about those things. You may not get a good review, you know. There's so much that's out of your control. I just really think the most important thing is to step back and appreciate that you're even here. You know, a lot of people don't get their books, you know, published. Um, There's no guarantee it's ever going to happen again. You know what I mean? I hope it does. But like, I just really think, and I do remind myself this constantly, just appreciate the moment as much as you can, you know? Try not to be too anxious. Thank you so much to Chin Sun Lee for joining the Beautiful Podcast to discuss her debut novel, Upcountry. You can find her on the internet at chinsunlee.com and on Twitter at Lee Chin Sun and on Instagram at Scribble Post. You can find Day Beautiful at daybeautiful.net and on all social media at Day Beautiful. And as always, I'm Adam. This is Day Beautiful. And you're all beautiful.